Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good day, church. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 10 and keep them open as we look at our text and we continue on in this concept of what does it mean to have the with God life? We asked ourselves a question a few weeks ago, where is God? And we know that we find God at the end of ourselves. The with God life is the life that God created us for. And then we began to consider that that gives us peace with God. It allows us to understand that God loves us and he chooses us and we're not a burden to him, we're his pleasure. And then we looked last week on how we live the with God life in community, which is another part of how God shapes us and how he forms us and how he walks us on this pathway of discipleship, where in community we grow in faith, hope, and love, serving and caring and calling one another to bear one another's burdens and to bear our own burden and also to bear the marks of the gospel in each and every way. Today I'd like to extend this concept of the with God life in community for others. And it's really important that we begin to understand that God has created us for a purpose. We have a peace with God. We have a place in community and we get to have a purpose for why we're a part of the kingdom. If you look with me in Luke chapter 10, it's going to sound very familiar to where we were uh, two weeks ago, where in Mark, uh, Jesus was asked a question. So what is it all about? Boil it all down. What does the law actually mean? And then in Luke 10, a very similar situation interaction happens Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. It's an educated religious man that asked Jesus this question. What must I do? Jesus said, what's written in the law? You see, this person would have been an expert in the law. So Jesus just poses back, you're the teacher. Tell me what you teach. And he responded with the very similar answer to Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with everything that makes you who you are. Every component, every part of of you with God, for God, together. And Jesus said to him, you've answered well. You've answered correctly. That's right. He says, go do this and you will live. You see, if you take a passage like Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, you'll see where he got his understanding. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 29, it continues. But this man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus responds with a story. I want you to notice he doesn't answer his question. He answers a different question, the one that needed to be asked. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Jesus gives a fascinating story. Fred Craddock, who's a preacher's preacher, 
catches the practical side of ministering to people's needs in a unique way. It's been something that's been memorable to me. He says, you know, when we want to give our lives to Jesus, we're very ambitious. We're very sold out. All of us had this conviction in our soul that we really wanted to follow Jesus. What we had done with our life and what he could do with our life, we were easy to trade into that, to pour ourselves out for others. I'll give everything. Craddock equates it this way, and I find it fascinating. He said that when you give your life to Jesus, it's like going out and emptying out your bank account. Let's, let's suggest we have $10,000 and you go out and you go and you get 10 $1,000 bills and you walk before Jesus and right before his glory, you lay the, the $10,000 on the table and you say, here's my life, Lord, take all of it. But Jesus messes with us a little bit. Jesus said, I want you to take this $10,000 and I want you to go to the bank and I want you to convert it to quarters and I want you to bring it back to me. And so you do, you come back with a wheelbarrow full of 10,000 quarters or $10,000 worth of quarters. And Jesus said, now I want you to go out. You're going to find out that the life I'm calling you to is you're going to dispense your ministry 25 and 50 cents at a time. It won't be the grand acts that make the difference. It won't be the big monumental moments that plaques are made of and awards are given and the press shows up to. The ministry that we're called to do This with God life in community for others is actually expending ourselves day by day, little piece after little piece after little piece that presents the truth of the gospel, the real gospel, not the words of the gospel, but the life change, the loving influence of what Jesus has done for all of us. It's listening to our neighbor's troubles again and again and again instead of smiling and walking away or avoiding them altogether. It's serving on a useful committee or community activity that draws you no applause, just a lot of hard work. It's encouraging those who are discouraged and troubled and broken and scared and encouraging them to the best of our ability with the truth of the gospel that God cares. You see, usually living out this with God in community for others existence isn't glorious. It just comes at 25 cents and 50 cents at a time acts of service. It's easy to give the flash of glory. It's more difficult to live out the goodness of the gospel daily in those small little moments that matter. Let me be clear, and I want to be crystal clear about this so nobody's mistaken about the power of the gospel. It's not the way that you treat others that lets you into the kingdom of heaven. It's actually the way we treat others shows that we understand why we're in the kingdom of heaven. It's our purpose. If you get nothing else today, I just want you to hear this truth. Real love that comes from a heart that's been brought to life by the gospel is extreme. When the gospel gets a hold of us, our love becomes ridiculous, outlandish, extreme. Jesus tells the story of a, of a roadway, a pathway, if you will, that people would have known well. It was 22 miles of dark alleys, crevices, and caves. And a man is beaten and left for dead in his story. Let me begin by telling you this. The opportunities to love are going to be inconveniently everywhere. If we're going to live out the gospel, not only together, but in our communities, in our greater communities, the opportunities to love are going to be inconvenient and they're going to be everywhere. I want you to notice in Jesus' story, he says, a priest happens to walk by and sees the man in the ditch. He says he saw him. A Levite, someone who was to live this out, went by and he saw him. And a Samaritan, as he traveled, 
came upon the ditch and he saw the man. All three of them saw him. Only one of them loved enough to get off of where he was and where he was going to enter into the ditch and care with the love that the gospel has given us. You see, the priest and the Levite were people who understood what God wanted. No one expected this story to end with a Samaritan, and that's Jesus' point. Samaritans were outcast. After the nation of Israel had been taken into captivity, the Samaritans came back and they they ended up living in regions outside of the greater Jerusalem area and they started doing the things that God told them not to, intermarrying and worshiping other gods. And so the Jews had looked so much down on these outcasts and these disobedient cheaters, these uneducated, displaced people. And Jesus tells a story about an imperfect man who loved a hurting man perfectly. That's what we remember. See, if you want to be religious, work on being good. If you want to follow Jesus, work on being loving. This is what the gospel affords us. It's important to note that they had other things to do, places to go. They had other plans. They had other dreams. Their need was inconvenient, but it was still a need. It doesn't matter why people have a need. It really doesn't. It only matters that they have a need. You see, our mission is to love God and love all people through the gospel, through the truth of who Jesus is and why he came. It's not just proclamations of words. It's not just music. It's, it's not just assemblies on Sundays or Wednesdays or Thursdays. It's actually living out the truth of the gospel that God cared enough about us that he sent King Jesus to earth to become just a man and live in the fleshly body so he could demonstrate the loving sacrifice on the cross so that you and I would have hope, not just a hope for a one day, but a hope for this day. And not only a hope for this day, but a hope that can be shared. It's so plentiful that others will know it, feel it, experience it. The gospel can be performed and can also be received. Each and every day, there are people that we pass by lying in ditches. Oh, maybe physically they're not, although they may be but psychologically and socially and spiritually, if we'll open our eyes, I believe the Holy Spirit will show us that there are people around us that we know and love very well who don't feel known and they don't feel loved. I heard a great definition of what we talk about when we talk about ministry. I've kept it uh, in my computer and I look at it regularly. It's this. It's kind of a test for me to see if not professionally am I ministering, but am I actually caring about my neighbor? Loving is giving when you feel like keeping. It's praying for others when you need to be prayed for. It's feeding others when your own soul is hungry. It's living out the gospel even when you can't see the results. It's hurting with other people even when your own hurt can't be spoken. It's keeping your word when it's not convenient. It's being faithful when your flesh wants to run away. It's 25 and 50 cents at a time. It's the giving of yourself in those quiet little moments where love means the most, not in the grand moments, not in the epic awareness, it's being cared for. I don't think there's a person hearing my voice who doesn't have a moment in their life where somebody loved them with 25 cents worth of effort and it made a million dollar impact on you. This is what Jesus gave us purpose to do. This is why he left us here to build the kingdom He began. He's the cornerstone. And we are all foundational pieces that are built off of this. Remember, I want to make it crystal clear again. Loving others is not what gets you into the kingdom. 
it only demonstrates that you understand why you're a part of the kingdom. A disciple who knows the goodness of the gospel will spend a lot of time in ditches, helping others understand that same love. So love is inconveniently needed all over. Let's continue to read in verses 34 and five. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. The second point I wanna make from Jesus' story is the opportunities to love are inconveniently costly. They're not only inconveniently everywhere, but they're inconveniently costly. It's much easier to deduce why someone's in trouble than to actually love them in their trouble. When the man needed, or what the man needed was too much for the priest and the Levite because they just walked by. They didn't have time, they didn't have energy. They had other things that were more important to them. But the Samaritan, he stopped. To love and treasure our neighbor is gonna cost us more than time. It's gonna cost us financially and spiritually and socially and emotionally. One of the hardest prices to pay. The Samaritan had to physically care for him. He had to financially sacrifice for him. He had to physically sacrifice his comfort. Think about it. He had to put the man on his donkey and walk the remainder. We don't know how far on this 22 mile path he was on. He could have been at the beginning, middle or end at the anyway. He had to walk while this man stayed on his donkey and he risked his own safety the entire time he was doing it because the ones that beat up this man could have beaten up the Samaritan. So you wanna factor into it. This is not a clean story Jesus tells. This is a real life story of sacrifice, a real life story of intentionality. And it's not a guilt producing story, it's an inspiring story. That's why I love that we still have things like the Good Samaritan laws to protect people who lovingly care for someone and take a risk. And he even said to the innkeeper, when I return, whatever expenses are needed for him, I will take care of those. You might think that I'm gonna be talking about financial, I'm actually not, I'm gonna be talking about availability. I think if we're gonna live the with God life in community, it has to be for others or we will have the peace of God or with God. And then we'll, we'll have the place in the church family, in the community of faith. But if we don't have the purpose for others, we're not advancing our kingdom and the kingdom of Jesus should be advanced, not because we have to, but because others need to know what we've experienced within it. What about love is ever easy? Nothing. Love is a choice that requires a sacrifice that is so satisfying when offered. The opportunities to love are inconveniently everywhere and they're inconveniently costly. But Jesus asked a question. Remember, I told you that he didn't answer the man's question. He asked his own. Verse 36 and seven. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The opportunities to love are worth taking. Oh, I don't wanna turn every sermon this series into the context that we're facing as a nation, but church, we know this. The opportunities that are gonna be coming to our community in the next few weeks are gonna be mind-blowing, but by the power of God and the love that he's given us and the truth of the gospel message that Jesus Christ is with us, we have something to do. And it won't be by our power, it'll be by the Spirit's power. Our greatest demonstration of the power of the gospel may be found in these next few weeks or even months. 
the God who rules our lives and creates these opportunities for us will require that we will have to get in the ditches and get our hands dirty and get our hearts dirty. And our faith is gonna become real and practical and it's gonna actually make a difference in people's lives. It won't be about what we say we believe. It'll be about how we live out that belief in everyday behavior. What I love in this story that inspires me is the Samaritan didn't care if it made him unclean because he would have been. He would have not have been able to worship in Jerusalem. He would not have been able to take part in services because he would have touched a man who was dying and bleeding. It would have cost him much, but I love that he didn't care. Love overcame legalism. He didn't care that this was a Jew because love overcomes prejudice. He didn't care that he'd be risking his own treasures because love overcomes greed. And remember this, loving in the name of God will always be rewarded. He didn't care that the cost of caring continued on. He didn't care about those things. Instead, he chose to care first for his brother. He invested now because he knew what God wanted and he knew that the love of God works. See, Jesus told the man, go and do likewise. What I love is he asked the question, who's my neighbor? Jesus rephrased the question, who should I be neighborly to? And we know the answer to that. Anyone, everyone for the sake of the gospel, not to just convict of sin, but actually to inspire people that there is a life to be lived with God in community that gives us great purpose. Jesus is the good Samaritan. That's the story. Jesus was the outcast. He was the one rejected. And yet he came and found us in our ditch and restored us with his goodness and his grace. Jesus came along and gave us everything necessary. And not only did he take care of our immediate need, he promises to take care of all of our needs going forward. Isn't it beautiful how he tells a story about what he did for all of us? But please hear this from a pastor's heart to people I care about. Unless you and I see Jesus as our good Samaritan, we won't become good Samaritans. Until we realize that we've been neighbored, we won't neighbor. We will watch others struggle and suffer and wish them well, but not give them love. People are gonna be asking the question, does anybody care about me? Does anybody care that I'm alone? Does anybody care that I've lost my job? Does anybody care that I've lost my business? Does anybody care that I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills? There are gonna be people in our community who wanna know if anybody cares in church, we do. And we will. And it'll require all of us to look in the ditches for those that are socially and physically and financially and spiritually struggling. And it may not be grand and huge and draw great applause, but respond in those 25 and 50 cent little increments of love and sacrifice for the name of Jesus. And when they ask you why you're loving them well, it's not because we're good. It's because we've been loved. When we realize Jesus is our good Samaritan, we will have the heart of being good Samaritans to all we can. Real love that comes from a heart that's been brought to life by the good news of Jesus Christ is extreme. Serve those needs that you see on the Jericho Road. Pray that that your love will allow someone to not only have a meal and pay a bill and find some rest and some peace, 
but also pray that what you do in love invites them to come in to his kingdom. Where we have been invited, they have been invited. The gospel and the love it reproduces is the solution to what we are about to experience as a nation and as a community. For those of you who've never known love and care of Jesus, I want you to know that those of us who have, we're no different than you. We're not any more special than you. We don't have more information than you. We've just had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ and we want you to have that too. And the reason we love and serve you is not to use you. It's actually to invite you to sit at a table that we get to sit at, a table that was set by love, built by love, and the invitation was given by love. What we do every time we gather is we gather around the table of Jesus. He uses this illustration. It's even found in the Old Testament. This great concept of sitting at the king's banquet table where everything that has been provided for us, we bring nothing. This is not a carry-in. We come in as special guests. And we sit around this table each and every week. And we take elements, some juice and some bread or something close to those. The past few weeks, we've used what we can. And what I love is that our, our church family, although spread all over the four states area, and some are joining us from all parts of the country, which is amazingly encouraging, is that we have sat maybe individually or maybe in groups of 10 or less, but we've gathered and we've taken these elements together, reminding ourselves for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim Jesus' death until he comes again. We're asking you to prepare your family for this. And in just a few moments to gather around that table and maybe one of you prays and just thanks Jesus or maybe all of you pray and thank Jesus. Maybe you sing a song. Whatever you do, do it together because this table was built and set by love. It's an invitation to come and receive. And one day the scriptures cast this vision. One day we will all gather and there will be no viruses and there'll be no sickness and there'll be no poverty and there'll be no fretting. There'll be no worried about paying bills and what I'm gonna do for a business. We're gonna gather around the provisions of our King and we're gonna celebrate the goodness of Jesus forever. And you and I will meet people in the next few weeks and months who don't know the privilege that we have been invited into and we get to invite them into it. With God, peace. In community, a place. For others, a purpose. Love invites you to this table today. Eat and drink in honor of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. After you've had that moment together, we're gonna encourage you that there'll be some questions and just spend some time talking through these questions, asking God to open our eyes and our minds as we walk through daily life, as we connect with people in whatever fashion we're able to, that we might not only have our eyes open to who needs loved, but we might love well. Let me pray for you. Father, we ask for your guidance and your wisdom. We ask for your awareness. Father, it scares us, but give us your heart. Give us your compassion. Let us see those around us that we can minister to, whether it's a time of prayer or word of encouragement, maybe it's a financial gift. Maybe we're gonna take a burden off their back and carry it a while for them. Maybe they just need someone to know they're there. Whatever it is, Father, when we come around your table, we're reminded that you did all of this for us. You are our good Samaritan. And we are blessed by the sacrifice you paid on the cross to die and three days later come out of that tomb celebrated on Sunday as the Messiah, crucified on Friday as just 
a criminal and raised again the next Sunday as Lord of all. This, Father, is why we eat and drink. This is why we love, that the gospel message of Jesus Christ would be experienced by all we come across. Bless us this day as we remember you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.